Well, if you would, please take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. It has been my joy this week to uh, be uh, at a conference together for the Gospel Conference in Louisville, Kentucky. And we've had, um, there was about 7,000 plus people there. And it was a wonderful time. And so uh, and we, we listened to preaching. Uh, we had in the three days that we were there, we listened to nine sermons, I think, three a day, something like that. And uh, it was just a wonderful time. And just the, the music. And we sang that song. And that is just an amazing song. I love that song. It's a wonderful song to draw our attention to our God. So, John chapter 16 We'll begin reading in verse 12. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify Me and... For he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I say to, I, I say that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what a joy it is to come and sit under the teaching of your word. Hear your word being expounded. Lord, we thank you for being a great and mighty God. Lord, if the world can just get a glimpse of you, our churches would be packed. They would be full. Lord, we recognize that we're the link between you and the world. Lord, help us to help us to to rise up away from this world, detached from this culture, and detached from the, the world and see the need, the spiritual need, the real need. Lord, help us to help us then to to do what you've called us to do and to be your witness here on this earth. Now Lord, as we expound this word today, Father, I pray that you would just bless, Father, give clarity. May your spirit go out ahead and and prepare hearts and illumine our hearts for these precious truths. May nothing go by us. May we understand it all. And may we get it correctly. And may, Lord, the results be an encouraging heart, encouraged heart, an upliftment as we go from here seeing the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us, may we, may we be encouraged to, to and emboldened to witness. Lord, I, I just thank You for the precious time that we have together here and pray that You would enrich it and bless it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus started the conversation back in chapter 15 and verse 26. And He starts the conversation um, uh, concerning the Holy Spirit. And uh, in the context 
of the Lord's Supper. He had just had the Lord's Supper with these men. It was the last time that they were going to meet together. I don't think they clearly understood that. Um, he had just washed their feet. Uh, they were still, still bickering among themselves, but he got up and he, he takes the towel and the water and he washes their feet and shows this loving humility toward them and exemplifies that to them. And, um, and he begins to teach them and he's teaching them some profound truths and he's teaching them because he loves them and he's pouring his life into them. And he knows within the next really few hours, within 24 hours, he's going to be hanging on the cross and he's going to be put into the grave, the ground, and then he's going to rise from that. But these men were not ready for that. They were just not ready In fact, it seems like just the opposite. Now, the goal of these disciples was to make other disciples of Jesus Christ, to go out and tell other people, bring them in and make followers of Christ so that people would follow Him. That was their goal. But they're kind of still looking for this this political kingdom that this Messiah is supposed to bring up. And and so they're still, still not clear in their mind. In fact, within themselves, amongst, while Jesus is talking, they're kind of debating within themselves who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. When it comes, who's going to get it? Who's going to be? I mean, if he's going to leave, then, then who's going to leave? Who's going to be in charge? Who's going to be the greatest? And if you turn over to Matthew chapter 26, uh, Matthew kind of gives us a, a little bit of insight what's going on here. And we mentioned it last week, but I just want you to see it again. Matthew 26, verse 30. Um, or 31, then Jesus said to them, um, you will fall away because of me. Because of what's going to happen to me, this persecution is going to come. You're going to fall away. You're going to scatter. And of course, Peter and his arrogance, he, uh, he steps up and he says in verse 33, he says, uh, um, Peter said to them, even though all may fall away, because of you, I will never fall away. All, all of these, Lord, they may fall away, but boy, not me. Not me. You can count on me. And of course, Jesus looks at him and probably shakes his head and, and says, Peter, this very night you're going you're gonna to betray me. And Peter responds again in verse 35. He said, um, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the, the disciples said, me too, me too. And, and they're, they're competing. I'd love you more than he does. And I'll do it too. And, I'll... and you know what? Jesus, Jesus looks at them. He realizes they're willing to die for me. They're willing to do the spectacular. But they have shown really no interest in me. They haven't even asked where I'm going and what's it going to be like when you get there. And they haven't shown really any interest in me. They're willing to die for him, but not really willing to... To live for Him yet. And they're just spiritually still immature. Immature. And Jesus tells them, I'm going to send you a helper. And, and, and that's, that's why this helper is so important to them. He's going to mature them. They were still immature. And He says, I'm going to send this helper. And He starts the conversation in verse 26. And He says, now this helper is going to come. And this helper is going to enable you to testify of Me. You're going to be My witnesses You're going to testify that I was here on this earth and I was raised from the dead. And He's going to to empower you to be able to do that. 
And then on top of that, he's going to be the helper that that goes ahead and he's going to go into the world and he's going to convict the world of their sinfulness. Their righteous standards and their judgments are all wrong and he's going to convict the world of that. So he's going to prepare their hearts so it's going to be easier for you. And it's to your advantage that he does that. And then in this, this passage, he gives the third prong or the third uh, role of the Holy Spirit, which is really giving them future rev- revelation. And he says to them, uh, I have more things to say to you, but I can't say them right now. You're just not ready. You're not ready for, for these things. And, and it's revelation. I've got to tell you some things, but they're not ready. They're just spiritually mature. Now, I, I don't know about you, but third-party communication, it, it, that's kind of hard for me. Second or third-party communication. If uh, I have a mother that's in the, the nursing home, and, you know, the doctor will come and visit her, and I will talk to her, and I'll say, well, what, you know, what did the doctor say? And, I, and it's kind of unclear. I'm not sure. I want to go right to the doctor. I want to talk to the doctor. Because I want to get it straight from him. I want to make sure. I want to have some confidence in what I'm being told. Um, I'm reminded too, just sometimes we receive bad news from third-party information. And it's it's a little kind of disconcerting. I was right here. I was at Daniel's Bible Church on a Wednesday night. Or it might have been a Sunday night. And um, I get a call, and they come and get me, and uh, and so I go to the uh, to the phone. It was somebody from Appalachian Bible College, and said, "Hey, somebody just called from your home, and they want you to come, or they want you to call home immediately. It's an emergency." And that's disconcerting, isn't it? You want to know right away. Um, and I called. My father was in the hospital, and it was a it was a the beginning of of some series that things of things that led to his death, and it was a. It was a little frustrating. I wanted to go right to the source and it was hard because uh, you, you want to make sure that you know. You want to have confidence in the information that you're getting. Now this is the scenario here. Jesus is saying, I've got some more to tell you, but it's, uh, it's going to come a little bit later. How do we know we can trust this guy? How, how do we know that we can have confidence in what he says? And so Jesus, Jesus is building up their confidence in this Holy Spirit. He is selling the Holy Spirit to them. He is, he is ho- wanting them to, to understand and have confidence in this messenger that's going to come, this helper that's going to come. And He's promising them some things. Now, confidence is an important thing. Um, I have a car right now that, uh, you know, that I'm looking at taking a long trip in probably this summer and and i'm looking at that car and it's over 120 some thousand miles or 130 40,000 miles and i'm thinking i don't have a lot of confidence in that car i'm just not sure you know it's running right right now but i, I want to have confidence that it's going to go down you know a, a nine hour trip and back and you know, i want to have confidence in it you know commercials they want to instill confidence in their product, don't they? they they'll promise you things and, and you look at those commercials and, and they're promoting this thing and they want you to feel really confident to run out and buy this thing. There's this, um, there's this water hose. 
And it's really small. And it's compact. But man, when you plug it in, you put it to the, to the nozzle, it, it just expands and it becomes this great thing. It's really cool. And I think, I want that. And then they stretch it out. And you see them. And they say, look how durable it is. And they'll run over it with their truck. And man, nothing happens. It's cool. And I think, I want that water hose. Now, I don't even need a water hose. But I want that water hose. And the first thing I'm going to do when I get that water hose, I'm going to put it down. I'm going to run over it with my truck and see what happens. They want confidence. Confidence in this thing. And Jesus is, is building up confidence in the Holy Spirit that this messenger is who He says He's going to be. And, and you can have confidence in Him. Now here's what I want you to see. The Holy Spirit worked. Now this is past tense. He worked in the lives of the disciples who produced or to produce the complete revelation sufficient for all followers of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit worked in these disciples and He produced a, a revelation that was complete and sufficient for all followers of Christ and followers of Christ for 2,000 years have been following this same revelation. And Jesus predicted it. He promised it. And the question we'll ask is, how does, uh, how does Christ promise um, or what does Christ promise concerning this supernatural revelation, this third-party revelation? What does, he, what does He promise? And we see in this text, we see six things. Six things that He promises concerning the Holy Spirit and this messenger and this message, this revelation from the Holy Spirit. And it's designed to produce confidence in these men and in this word that they are going to receive in this message they are going to receive. So let's move through these quickly. Number one. Number one. It will be, it will be from Christ Himself. This revelation, this message is going to be from Christ Himself. Now look at verse 12. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, notice, he is talking, he is talking to the disciples. Jesus is saying, I, I have things to say to you. And so it's from me or from Jesus to them. And he says, I'm going to say these things to you later. I'm going to say them. But he says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. It's actually, the picture is the union between Christ and the Holy Spirit. And it's just, it's going to be just like Christ is speaking directly to them. Directly to them. It's as though there really is no third party. This is very personal. I'm going to come to you later. Now, this is the exact picture that we see in Scripture. Christ, even though He is not on this earth, He is leading His church. He is the shepherd of His sheep. He is the head of the, of the church. and He is leading the church. And we see in Ephesians chapter 1, when He goes up in the heaven, Christ, or God exalts Him and puts Him in charge and as head over the church. And so He is leading the church. The author of Hebrews said it well, that he is the, the great shepherd of the sheep. Even though he's not here, even though we can't see him, it's as though he is speaking directly. Because of this Spirit, this Holy Spirit, this Helper. And there's a, there's a union. This message is from Christ. And that's good. Because that's who they want to hear from. 
they've committed their life to this guy. They don't want to, they, they don't want to hear about this other guy. No, we want you, Christ. We want you. They, Christ is the one that they've committed their life to. They're, they're following him. They've taken his name, the name of Christ. Now, we're looking back, so it's a little easier for us to understand. But they're look, they were looking ahead. They didn't understand all of this. They wanted, they wanted Him. And so Jesus reaffirms and assures them it's going to be Him. They're taking His name. They're, they're wanting to hear His voice. Now, that's the proper response. That's a good response. Um, they were not able to handle it yet. But they wanted to hear more. There was... They didn't have enough information. They were not prepared well enough. And Jesus said, there's going to be more. There's going to be more. Now, it's amazing to think that, that Jesus can spend three and a half years with these guys and they still, they still don't get it all. I think it's probably more just spiritual immaturity without the aid of the Holy Spirit working in their life, convicting their hearts and minds. And without that aid, they, they couldn't grow as quickly as they they could with the Holy Spirit. And I think they were just spiritually immature. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to be right there. This message is going to be for me. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to complete my uh, discussion with you a little bit later. Now, look over at John chapter 6. This is important. John chapter 6 and verse 63. I'll show you why this is so important. Verse 63 in John chapter 6, it's a few chapters over. He said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. This is spiritual life that is being given. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Where is the Spirit and the life? Come from His Word. His Word. Now, the context here is that there's a lot of people following Jesus. They're claiming to be disciples of Jesus, but He's beginning to teach some hard things, and so they begin to fall away. They begin to disappear. They begin to leave Him. And look at verse... Uh, and, and He turns to His disciples, and He's teaching them some things. He turns to His disciples, and He says, Hey, now, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter, this time he had the right answer... And he said, verse 68, Simon Peter answered and said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the, what? The words to eternal life. Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We are going to stay where you're teaching because your words are powerful. Your words mean something. Your words mean something. Look over at chapter 8. In verse 31, chapter 8, 31, you'll see how important this is. Again, Jesus, there's some more disciples, and it says, uh, so, so Jesus was saying to the Jews that had, uh, who, who had been following him, or who had believed in him, if you continue in my, what, word, then you are truly my disciples. If you continue in my word, you have to set under the word of God, under the word of Christ. Then you're my disciples, disciples of mine. And in the last one, verse 47, the same chapter, chapter 8, verse 47, he says, He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you, too, you, do, not be, uh, you do not hear them because you are not of God. It shows a whole lot about you that you want to sit under the teaching of Christ. 
So this is a personal message. They, they want to hear from Christ. And Christ said, it's going to be for me. It's going to be for me. Now, there's a lot of influences in the church today. I think Christ has to be the major influence. He is the shepherd of the sheep. He is the one that's leading His church. He is the head of the body. But what I've seen, and I've just being in different churches, here's what I see today. I think there's different influences in the church. One of the influences, I think, is right now is, is youthfulness. Man, the church wants youth because there's a lot of energy with youth. You can grow with youth. And youth are cool. And they're going to attract more people. They're creative. They're attractive. But the reality is, Jesus is, Jesus is the dominant, should be the dominant influence of the church. Sometimes wealth and wealthy people. But they're the dominant influence of the church. And you see that in some churches. And it's all about appearance. And it's all about power. And it's all about leverage and influence. And sometimes we, we look and we think, well, the, the rich people, boy, they just, they just dominate that church. Sometimes it's intellectualism. And you go to some churches and it's just all about intellectualism. And elitism. And how much you know. And, and those people are kind of elevated. And there's... They're, they're the sages. They're the wise. And you sit under them. But listen, our ears are tuned to hear our shepherd, Jesus Christ. We listen for His voice. We listen for His voice. When the, the elders meet together and uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of weekends ago, I guess last weekend, we, we met together. The decisions that we make for the church, we seek Christ's will. He is the influence. Not any of ours, but His will be done. He is the authority that we have submitted ourselves to. It is His Word that we want to govern our lives. So we desire to hear the shepherd of the sheep. When you came today, when you came today, did you come to hear the words of Christ? Did you come to hear His voice? So this revelation, this message that Jesus is going to give through the Holy Spirit, it's from Christ Himself. Number two, it will be a completely truthful message. It will be completely truthful. Jesus said in verse 13, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. Into all truth. The Holy Spirit is is going to guide them. Now, it wasn't just an information dump. He didn't just put it on this uh, little uh, computer chip and, and put it into their brain and so they instantly have all the information they need. No, they, He guided them. And they begin to write it down. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and Paul, and Peter. They begin to write these things as the Holy Spirit begins to work in their life and guide them in these truths and they begin to mature and they begin to put this down on paper for us. 2,000 years later, and we discover it. Peter gives us a picture of this so well. It's a verse that you know very well in Second Peter chapter 1. He says this, But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, but no prophecy, or for no prophecy, was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And they wrote this down. This was, this was from God. 
from the Holy Spirit. And the point is that it's truthful. It's accurate. It's accurate. We, um, we are all looking for truth. The world is, is looking for truth. And by the way, there is objective truth. There are absolutes. God has His opinions on the way you live your life. Now, we tend to think that uh, truth is discovered through our own senses, through sight and through smell and through what we can taste and touch and feel. But Jesus is saying it's not through your own perception. It's through, well, truth is established from God. Truth is from God. Not from our own perceptions. Now, Satan would like to have us think that, that truth is from our own perceptions. And that's the way he can control the world because it's, he can control those perceptions. He is the father of lies and he has blinded this world. Um, and he, he does not want us to live through faith. But he wants us to live in this physical world, this earthly world so that we can, his perception, our perceptions can be twisted. Let me give you an illustration of this. Matthew chapter 4. You don't have to look very far. We won't look at this passage very much. But this Matthew chapter 4. The context is Jesus is out in the wilderness. He's being tempted by Satan. And the tempter comes to him. and says, he, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now Jesus was hungry. Jesus hadn't eaten. Or had, he was very thirsty as well. And Satan was wanting to elevate hunger to the most important thing. The most important thing right now is hunger. You're hungry. And, and perception then would be shifted a little bit. And, and he's subtly shifting these things to tell his own lies. Jesus saw right through that. And Jesus responds with this way. And I love this. He says... Man shall, just as Jesus' response, man shall not live by bread alone. Hunger is not the issue. Hunger is is minor. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Of course, he's quoting the Old Testament. Hunger is, is, is not that important. Living by the word of God, that's important. That's important. That's more important than anything else. We look, I'm afraid we look for truth in the wrong place. Truth is to be found in the Word of God here. The truth, uh, sometimes we, we just think it's in our own heads and in our, in our own thoughts and maybe the thoughts of the world and, and you kind of pull our thoughts together. But that's exactly the way Satan is governing this universe, or this world. He is the ruler of this world. But actuality, actuality... There is divine truth and it is to be found in this word. And we can, we can know it for sure. We can either live in truth or we can live under Satan's lies and our own speculations in error. But we must let the word of God define our world. The word of God has to uh, define what is right and what is wrong. We need to use biblical terminology, biblical ideas. It has to shape our world. That's why we do expositional preaching because we elevate this word. This word is so important because it contains truth. 
That's why I spend time studying this word throughout the week so we can, we can glean its truth. It's to be handled very carefully because it contains, it is the very word of God. It's the very source of truth in our life. And we cannot, we cannot to, uh, go by our own perceptions, but we have to go and we have to build our lives upon the word of God. It is truth. God's word is the most important. So it's this message that the Holy Spirit's going to bring. It's going to be from Christ. It's going to be trustworthy. It's going to be accurate. It's going to be truthful. And number three, number three, it will be communicated without alteration. Communicated without alteration. Look in the middle of verse 13. But when he, the spirit of, the, of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So the Holy Spirit's not going to come and he's not going to give his opinion. And he's going to just speak what he hears. Now, he basically says the same thing two different ways. First, in a negative way, he's not going to do this, but he is going to do this. Christ could have sent the angels. He, sh- he could have sent the angels and said, okay, Paul, I'll just sit down. I've got this message. Just take notes. And here it is. But listen, that's too vulnerable. He did not want to leave anything up to chance. He sent the third person of the Trinity. God himself came down to convey this message. He's going to protect this truth. Satan would love to have been able to, to intervene and to distort this message. This is Satan's realm. And he could have had a secret agent in there. And sometimes I think that's what we see today. He does have these, these spirits that are whispering in people's ears and, and, and making them have this experience or that experience. And, and they think it's from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gets blamed for these things, but it's really not. I just reminded this little boy who, who is uh, three or four years old and he dies and he goes to heaven. He has this experience. He comes back and he, his mom and dad tells him what he experienced and all this. And that becomes the source of truth. Everybody runs out and buys that book. If you want to know about heaven, it's right here. Nobody reads this book. This is the source of truth. And it's unaltered. It's unaltered. It's conveyed without alterations. Now, for some reason, Jesus thought it was important for his disciples to know that it wasn't going to be the Holy Spirit that's speaking, that it was going to be Christ that's speaking, that it was a direct message from Christ, unaltered. And he said it in just that way. And I just think that's interesting. I think he wants them to have confidence in this word. That is unchanged, unaltered from his communication down to their ears, their understanding. There's not much, uh, there's not much in this life that we can have confidence in, really. But the scripture is one of them. We can have confidence in this word. And we're to esteem this word like the psalmist in Psalm chapter 1. And I just love this. He says, it's a passage you know well. It says, how blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the, the wicked. In verse 2 it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And Psalm 119, 
huge psalm, but so much of it talks about the preciousness of the Word of God and how important it is to our life. Psalm 119 verse 97 says this, How I love your law and I meditate meditate on it all the day long. Verse 113, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. So we we love the law. We elevate the, the, the Word of God. There's a couple other verses. Psalm 161 says this, Princes persecute me without cause. I mean, I'm being persecuted, the psalmist says, but my heart stands in awe of your Word. Stands in awe of your Word. Now those are... Almost the same words, same thing that that Christ or God said in Isaiah when Isaiah was sending this message from God. In Isaiah chapter 66, he says this. This is a message from God. He says this. Thus says the God, uh, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is where is a house and could build uh, where's a house that you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all of these things. Thus, all of these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look. To him who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Trembles at my word. Now, Folks, sometimes I have to confess, my, sometimes the Word of God doesn't have that kind of place in my life. I, I don't elevate it to meditate it on a day and night, all the day long. I don't elevate it to stand in awe of it. I don't elevate it to tremble at it. But that's, that's, that's what Christ, what God said. He, he loves. It's what He wants. A humble and broken heart, broken spirit that's trembling at His Word and anticipation. I'm not there. Sometimes I don't have the right view of the Word. And I'm afraid it affects our life. It affects our confidence. Let's go on. Number four. This message will reveal the future. It's futuristic. Look at chapter 16, verse, the middle or the end of verse 13. End of verse 13 in John. And He will disclose to you what is to come. He will disclose to you what is to come. Jesus, again, I thought it was important that they know the future. This is what's going to happen. And Jesus said, you need to know these things. He's going to tell you what's to come. Now, He doesn't give them all of the details, but He does, he does let them know some things, some important things. Again, it's not infinite, but it is, it is what is necessary for them to know. Revelation chapter 5, I'm reminded of this. And here's a picture of the end. Revelation chapter 5 verse 8 says, When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seal, for you were slain. Now remember in our context, 
Jesus was getting ready to be slain. They didn't understand that. But listen what he says. This is the future. This is, this is what's going to happen in heaven. Someday we'll get to witness this. For you were slain. We'll participate in this. You were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priest of our God. And they will reign upon the earth. Man, that's a great picture. Worthy is, is Christ because He died for, to, to purchase men from all of these tribes and nations and gathered them around and He made them into a people. Boy, the disciples needed to see this. This is going to boost their hope and faith and encouragement. He goes on to say, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with one voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature, listen to this, every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and uh, all the things in them, I heard say. So everything said at one time to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, that's Christ, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Man, they needed to see that. Look at the response in the foreign living creatures kept saying amen and the elders that would be that would be those of the church fell down and they worshiped the disciples needed to see look they needed to see Christ wins they needed to see this they needed also to see the reality of a future judgment and what's going to happen to satan and his demise they needed to understand that Christ was in control of all of these things they needed to understand that um he is anticipating their needs in the future. It's okay. This is going to produce hope and confidence within them to do what they needed to do to face the, the persecution that they're going to face because there were His witnesses. And what I'm just reminded of this little, this little phrase from Christ that He's going to teach you what is to come. Everything in this book is important. Sometimes we think, well, just salvation's important as long as we get that right. Salvation is important, but every doctrine in this book is important. It's important. Now let's go on. This message is going to be from Christ. It's going to be truthful. It's going to be unaltered. It's going to be futuristic. And it's going to be Christ-centered. Number five, it is going to be Christ-centered. Look at the uh, verse 14. And He will glorify me. That's it. He will glorify me. His focus is going to be on me. He's going to exalt me. Now the world thinks the Holy Spirit and the the charismatic movement thinks the Holy Spirit is about uh, getting attention for itself. The Holy Spirit is about giving attention to Christ, putting attention on Him. The primary job that He has is to give up Himself, not even say anything, is to, to, to just not do anything just to to point to Christ let Christ use him 
It's a humble role, but it's a crucial role. Why? Because Christ must be exalted. And the Holy Spirit is here to exalt Christ. It's all about Christ. There's two reasons. Because the world needs to exalt Christ. The world needs... There's only one way. Christ must be exalted because He is the only way. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. I'll just read it to you. For this reason also God highly exalted Him and bestowed upon Him the name that is a name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee will bow, every knee. And those who are uh, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the preeminent one to the glory of the Father. Just turn a few pages over. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Here's a a fuller picture of this. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. He is preeminent. For by Him all things were created. Both in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him. And for Him. For Him. He is before all things. Again, He's preeminent. And in Him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. And He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that in He Himself will come to have first place or preeminence in everything. Now here's the reason, verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure... For all the fullness to dwell in Him, in Christ. God wants all of the attention, everything to be focused upon Him. And through Him to reconcile all things to Himself. If you're going to be reconciled to God the Father, God, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ must be exalted. The Holy Spirit's role was to exalt Christ. Now, there's another reason, too. And I think He must be exalted for the world's sake, but He must be exalted for our sake because He is the one we follow. We didn't have the privilege of being with Him. But 2,000 years, you know what? We can follow Him because the Holy Spirit exalted Him. Now, if we don't, if if the Holy Spirit had not done this, we could very easily be following the wrong God. Satan himself distorts the image of God in every generation. And I, I think we have a, a, an idea of Christ in this generation that is, is more like Gandhi and Mother Teresa kind of image. It's not accurate. It's not what the Bible says. It's important that we as followers of Jesus Christ to know that we're following the right Christ. It must be accurate has to be accuracy. Our whole lives are oriented toward Him. Let me read you another verse just quickly. Here's how important knowing the right Christ is. Second Peter says this, verse 1, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in, in the knowledge of God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. And... Of Jesus Christ our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him. We better get it right. 
The Holy Spirit exalts Christ because He had to be exalted. We had to get this right because everything depends upon the right Christ. It says everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and excellence. We have to get it right. In the conclusion, the end of the verse, at the end of the, this letter from Peter, he says this, Now grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternal eternity. We need to grow in our understanding and our knowledge of Christ. The Holy Spirit was given so that He can elevate Christ. It's Christ-centered. Christ-centered. And then... So we're to exalt Christ. We're to elevate Christ. He is the preeminent. He is the one that's important. And, and we need to be following hard after Him. Following hard after Him. We are learners of Him. We are His disciples. Can that be said about you? Are you a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Let me give you one more. It's the last one. Point number six. It will be 100% complete. This message, this revelation that this Holy Spirit, the Helper, is going to come and He's going to bring to these disciples is going to be 100% complete. Look at the first word in verse 15. And let's read that. All things, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that He takes of mine and will disclose it to you. All things, all things, yes. All things, it's going to be complete. In fact, if you look back in verse 13, he says, He will guide you into all truth. Folks, that's, that's comforting. That's encouraging. And now he's not talking about infinite knowledge, that we're going to know everything, but everything that we need to know is going to be revealed to them. It's going to be revealed to the, them through the Holy Spirit. Christ wants us to succeed. He wants His church to succeed. He's going to give us everything that we need to make sure success. This is not an incomplete revelation. Every, all the truth was given and all the truth was written down. This is a perfect word from God. And we have it. Jude said it was, it was delivered once for all to the saints. Some, uh, some would like to say, no, there's more revelation to, be com- to come. The church needs more. This, this society is so sophisticated that we need more revelation. The reality is, it is complete. For 2,000 years, it has been complete. The church has had all it needs to build this church, for Christ to, to use us to build His church. Now, do you see God's Word as complete? Or are you anticipating something more? Do you look at it and say, ah, oh, there's got to be more to it than this? I think we're underestimating it. Are you trusting God that He will give everything or that He has given everything that we need to build this church? He has. And He's promised it through this passage we just read. It's going to be from Christ, this message, and it's truthful and unaltered and futuristic and it's Christ-centered and it's going to be complete. The Holy Spirit it worked in these disciples' lives to produce a complete revelation that is completely sufficient for the 2,000 years that we've lived and the church has been in existence. Now, we've looked at this whole thing 
First, the Holy Spirit is going to come in and He's going to enable us to be the witnesses. And then He's going to go into the world and He's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then He's going to write these things down and prepare us even more. And we can have complete confidence in this. Here's what I want us to gain. Life is more... Life is more than just getting up in the morning, eating breakfast and going to work, and eating lunch and coming back home and eating dinner and watching TV and going to bed, and getting up the next morning, eating breakfast, going to work, eating lunch, going home, sitting and watching TV, eating eating dinner and going to bed. Life is more than that. God has called us to something bigger than ourselves. He's called us to be a part of what He is doing and building His church. And He says, I don't want you just to to, uh, do it. I will enable you to do it. I'll give you this helper, the Holy Spirit. He has the power. All we need to do is get our eyes off of ourselves. We need to have confidence in the message that we proclaim. And we just need to open our mouths. We need just to step out. We need to just do it. And I'm talking about myself. I told you at the beginning we had nine messages. Those nine messages had to do with evangelism. And every one of them were convicting my own heart. Daniel's needs salvation. Beckley, they need the Savior. And we have the message. And we have the empowerment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, You're so kind. So kind to give us this revelation, Lord. It's it's so precious to us. Lord, we, we wanted to hear from You. And this is what You've said. Lord, give us boldness now to go out and be the people, be the witnesses, be the testimony that You want us to be. Lord, help us. Help us to take the next step. You've enabled us. We have the Spirit living within us. We have Your Word, the completed revelation. We have all we need. We, we have the confidence that Your Spirit is working in the hearts and minds of, of people, even preparing their hearts now. So Lord, this week, help us to take advantage of the opportunities that we have to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.